Lord. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Come on, let's give him praise this morning. God is good, worthy of praise and honor. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we wanted to do a presentation on wellness this morning, but um, there were some, some minor difficulties on Friday night, uh, and, so, and so we'll have that for you. Uh, next Sunday, hopefully next Sunday or, or coming up, because wellness is something we should continue to do. Amen. We've been uh, going on hikes uh, and, and uh, we have one planned today. If you are interested, we're going to leave from here at one o'clock and caravan uh, to a hiking location. Uh, if you, so if you're interested in going, you can join us at one because we're thinking about, you know, wholeness, wellness. And we've been having a series of messages on the topic of being well, being whole, healed, uh, and because that's important. Um, you can't minister if you, if you can't function. And so we want to be able to take care of the sanctuary that God has given us, our bodies, our minds. We, we even heard on uh, Friday night, we had a message on mental wellness. Amen. And we found out that we're all messed up, right? Yeah, we, we got the diagnosis uh, Friday night. I was wondering, I, I, I had a feeling, I wasn't quite sure, but now we know, amen, <laughs> that we're, we're all tore up, all right. Well, this morning, I'd like to talk again. This is our final, uh, you know, day in the month of April, Sunday morning in the month of April. And I'd like to talk to you, uh, again, an, another story uh, and, that deals with wellness. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to the, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, the very first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. And this is what it says. I, I love Mark's Gospel. This is what it says. Uh, Mark 129, New International Version, it says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would reveal the meaning of this event. It was recorded for a reason. You touched and raised this woman up for a reason. And although the details aren't lined up for us neatly and systematically here in these few verses, there is rich meaning uh, for us today. And I ask that you would speak to us about what these passages mean. We ask this in Jesus' name. God's people say, amen. 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 You know, most of the healings in the Bible that we read about in Scripture, they begin with a request, some, some type of request. A person or, or a loved one will ask Jesus to heal a person. It's that kind of a, of a request. Uh, there was a blind man who called out to Jesus. You may recall the story. Jesus, you know, son of David, have mercy on us. <clears throat> have mercy on me. <clears throat> and, and, you know, and Jesus would hear the request and respond to the request. There was a mother who called out to Jesus to heal her daughter 
her daughter was suffering from demon possession and she called out to Jesus asking, begging him to come. A father asked Jesus to heal his son. There was a high priest uh, who asked Jesus to, to heal his servant. Oftentimes there were people who would make the request themselves. There was even a woman who just ran up and, and touched him, touched the, the, the edge of his clothing to, to be healed. There, there was a request, a need from the person or a person who loves the person who is sick. There was a time when they let a guy down through the ceiling of a house because they wanted their friend or their whoever he was to them, a, a family member, friend. They wanted him to be healed. So they, they brought him to Jesus. And Jesus responds to the request. He responds when we make a request. Amen? Very rarely does Jesus perform a miracle like this, a healing like this. This is different. This is an unsolicited healing. Unsolicited meaning simply that it was spontaneous. It was voluntary. It was not something they asked for. Uh, it wasn't uh, something that they sought Jesus to say, hey, Jesus, could you heal her? Or, or here she is, and she has something to ask you, and, and she asked, hey, Lord, can you just touch me and, and heal me? It was totally uh, uninvited. They simply go to the house and they say, you know what, uh, uh, you know, Peter's mother-in-law is, is here and then she's sick. And he simply walks up to her. The Bible says that he took her by the hand and he helped her up. Nobody requested it. She didn't request it. They simply told Jesus what was happening. Obviously, her sickness was not the condition that God had for her. And there are people suffering in sicknesses, illnesses, conditions, whatever those conditions may be, that are simply not what God's will for your life is. Not what God intends for you to have to deal with or struggle with. But there we are. We're in this condition. This is where this woman was in this condition uh, suffering where she could have been up and about. She could have been participating in the daily activities of her family, loving her family, helping her family, serving, finding purpose in serving with, with the rest of her family members, but her sickness took her out of the place that God had for her. This was an interruption in her life, an unexpected, unforeseen, condition that disrupted her life and it by disrupting her life it disrupts the lives of those around her and in that society just like in every society people have roles to fulfill I know on, on Friday night uh, Randall talked about taking month-long or two month-long vacations I was like wow man I, praise the Lord I, you know that would be nice to take, you know, two months, I'm gonna take two months. See ya, Debbie, you know, and just be gone somewhere, you know? <laughs> and just take off for, for two months. That, that, would, that would be nice. But, but some people have roles to fulfill. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I thought, wow, man, that must be nice. In fact, his charge to us, 
from this very pulpit was to take a couple months off, you know? <laughs> Tell your boss, man, forget, I'm out of here, you know? Who knows, man? God may provide. <laughs> but this woman's sickness invaded her ability to function. She couldn't even take the time if she wanted to. If you read the same story according to Luke, now Luke was a physician. Luke says that this was a, a severe fever, a high fever. It was, it was not something you, you play around with. It was a, 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 a debilitating situation for this woman. She can't participate with her family. She can't participate with functions, social functions, church functions, daily events, because it slowed her life down. It, it brought her to, a, to a, a, a standstill. It harassed her. It besieged her. She was besieged not simply by the illness itself, but by the enemy. This was the work of Satan. The work of Satan. Satan has a compulsive hatred towards God. A compulsive hatred. And he'll stop at nothing to try and destroy God's creation. Whatever he can do to stop God's purpose, to stop God's plan for a person's life, he will do whatever it takes. And he'll invent something to stop us, to disrupt our families, to disrupt the plan and purpose in our lives. He attacked human beings with unrelenting blows. He doesn't stop. He doesn't rest. He doesn't take vacations. You know, can you imagine Satan saying, I'm going to take a two-month vacation to Florida. I'm just going to hang out with the alligators and snakes, you know. That, praise the Lord, man. There would be peace in the city. Peace in the home, man, if, if, if Satan took a break, but he doesn't. He's constantly attacking, constantly hitting, constantly bringing sickness and illnesses disguised as sickness. It's, it's the devil. It's Satan. Unexpected, spontaneous, what seems like accidental tragedies. He's behind it. So an unsolicited healing is like Jesus fixing what's broken. It's like Jesus walking by. It, it, if you've ever walked by and, and find something out of place and you just kind of pick something up and put it back in its place. We do it almost without thinking. We do it because we, we notice something, it just stands out to us that this thing is out of place. That this, whatever it may be, and we put things back in place. An unsolicited healing is like Jesus cleaning house fixing what's broken simply because it's broken let me fix it have you ever walked into a room and found something out of place right like a fork in the bathroom what's up with that you know who would take a fork in the bathroom right so you, you pick it up and you take it back to where it belongs where it's useful you, you don't use at least I hope you don't use forks in the bathroom right if you find a fork in the bathroom, you take and you put it where it belongs. In the New Testament world, healing was a social issue. A person's state of being, their whole, their purpose and their whole state of being was more important to them than their ability to function, than their ability to do things, than their ability to work or whatever. What was more important to them is that a father be a father that a mother be a mother, that whatever role you've been given, they understood their role as being given to them by God. This is why it's important to find your place 
to find your place, your calling. Who am I in God's kingdom? And so to be whole is to have that place, to function in that place, to be the person that God has called you to be, to have a purpose. That was important to them. And so healing is the restoration of people back into the role that God had for them, to belong, to have a place in the family, to have a place in the community. That would be what they would consider wholeness. To fit, to, to, to have a part in, in, the, in, the, in the, a piece of the, the whole community. That's wholeness. Here in the contemporary world, we think of healing as, as a medical issue, as a psychological issue, and that alone. And we don't see the spiritual connection, the spiritual significance. Here in these, in these times that we're living in, we need doctors and medicine and, and hospitals and praise God for doctors and medicine and hospitals because God uses those things right churches even build those things and provide for those things but in the eyes of a savior sickness was something more than that in the eyes of a savior he sees sickness as stopping people from being who they were called to be, from functioning in the role they were called to function. It hinders and harasses their everyday life. It messes people up in the mind. It messes up families, and it can even mess up the church. Jesus would heal without being asked to because Jesus would see people out of place. What are you doing here? What are you doing over there? Why, are, why aren't you where you're supposed to be? Here, let me put you back where you need to be. And so without being asked, they simply, hey, yeah, she's, she's in there. She's sick. She's not feeling well. We'll make our own meal. We'll, we'll do. She's not well. And he just walks into the room, takes her by the hand and helps her up. You're supposed to be doing something for me. You, you weren't made for this. You were made for something else. Imagine what that means to us today. If this same Jesus walks these aisles this, here this morning, if this same Jesus knows who you are and he walks, happens to walk your way and notice, hey, you're not where you're supposed to be. Let me help you with that. That's what he does. In the eyes of the Savior, Sickness is something more than a medical condition. So Jesus would heal without being asked to, just by being in close proximity with somebody who is out of place. He would restore out of sheer compassion, and the compassion of Jesus is, you cannot fathom his compassion for the lost. His compassion for us is so overwhelming to him that he was willing to die on the cross for us confronting the work of Satan just because. I'm gonna confront his work. Satan is undoing things, destroying things, marring things, uh, you know, uh, uh, really trying to kill and, and, and put people out of place. But Jesus says, just because he's done what he's done, I'm gonna fix it. I will come behind all of the work of the enemy and put people back into place, put uh, houses, homes back into place just because. Because with every person healed publicly, Jesus makes a de declaration of his victory over the power of Satan. This is why he came. It's a symbol of forgiveness. 
In fact, the Greek word for salvation is the same word used for heal or deliverance in the Bible. Sozu or soteria. We, 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 those of us that go to uh, Veti for the school of ministry, you take school of ministry classes and you take the, the uh, uh, systematic theology. Soteriology is the term for the, the teaching about salvation. You want to learn about salvation, you take soteriology. That word in the Bible, in the New Testament, is the same word they use for healing. You take a class on healing. To understand salvation is about healing. It is about putting people back where they belong, restoring minds and bodies, homes and communities. It's about healing. Jesus is a healer, and this is what he does. I find it amazing here that this poor woman had already lost her husband, obviously, because she's living in the home with Peter and his wife. Most people didn't even realize that Peter had a wife. That brother was taking long vacations without her, man. <laughs> he took Randall's advice, man. Months, three years with Jesus. Man, where's your wife at? Oh, at home, you know. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know. Right? Even the Catholic Church, they made him the first pope, right? Every other pope, don't, they don't have wives, but Peter did, obviously. They must not have read this, that verse, man. And it, I, I believe it tells us in, uh, in Luke's uh, or Matthew, one of the Gospels tells us that he was married. But right here it says that his, you know, his mother-in-law. But she lost her state of being. Not only did she lose her husband, but she lost her state of being. Her state of being was disrupted. What she wanted to do, what she loved to do, what she lived to do was to, to be a part of a family. Her social network was disrupted. Something meaningful was lost in her life. She couldn't function. She couldn't participate. She is socially displaced. She is spiritually out of place. This is what sickness does. This is what conditions do to people. This is why I hate conditions like this. This is why I pray against cancer and diabetes and lupus and all kinds of dis diseases of the body, diseases of the mind. When we gather to pray, I, I come with a hatred against the things that disrupt people and their lives and their families because it disrupts to the core. People begin to believe the lie of, of Satan and his work. So Jesus comes along and he sets her back in her proper place, able to function again, able to serve again, able to love her loved ones through serving, through her presence, being there, cooking for them, serving them, laughing with them, able just to be with them, present alongside of them. So whenever Jesus confronts Satan's work of displacing people, Jesus went to work putting people back where they belong an unsolicited healing. It was an immediate healing. He didn't shine a light in her eyes. He didn't say, you know, stick out your tongue, say ah, you know, stick a stick in her throat, you know. He didn't look in her ears or take her pulse or ask any family history. He didn't have to do all that. He knows. I know what's wrong with you. I know what's going on. You don't even have to ask me. I know exactly what's going on. He went right to her and helped her up, man. Enough of this, Satan. Get up, woman. You have things to do for me. You have things to do for this family. 
He knows the patient. He knows their purpose and their calling. He also knows the cause and their, and their condition. So he puts broken people back in the place of usefulness. So today, you know, when you think about our nation, there are probably millions of people who are out of place, out of place. People who have believed the lie, who, who live in a, in a house of language that is a lie. The, the language house that they live in, it's not the truth. And they tell stories about themselves that, that's not the truth. It's a story that Satan creates, words of defeat, words of limitation, words of, of you know, uh, of being shackled to these ideas that are just simply not true. Jesus comes to shatter that house and to put us in a new place. He knows the patient. And we need, we need God in our, in our country today. We need God in our city. Amen. Today, Satan has displaced countless fathers and mothers, men and women who are called to fulfill their role in families, and they're not fulfilling their role in their communities, and they're not fulfilling their role in churches and companies and neighborhoods and homes, and they're not fulfilling their roles. There are absent fathers and absent mothers, absent leaders and role models that need a place to, 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 to return to that place of function and return to that place of calling. We need to invite Jesus in our city. We need to invite him in our homes. That's all they did. Hey, come, come, we'll have dinner at my house. Oh, my mother-in-law is sick. Sick, I'll fix it. I'll fix that. So let me offer you just a few suggestions this morning. Just something to think about. Number one, invite Jesus to your home. How do you do that? I, 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 I don't know. There's a lot of ways to do that. You know, but make your home a kind of a place where Jesus is welcome. Make it, make it a welcome place for Christ. They had just come from a synagogue, like the story says, as we read it in verse 29. In the synagogue, they had gone to visit a, you know, a synagogue, a church, Jewish church. They go in there, and there was a, a, one of the members in the synagogue was demon-possessed. If you can imagine that, they didn't even know it. They just thought it was Earl. You know, hey, Earl, morning. And Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden, Earl is saying, who are you? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. You've come to destroy us. And people in the church were probably tripping out. What's wrong with Earl today, right? They had lived with it for who knows how many years. They lived with this man in a broken condition and didn't know it. They lived with him day after day. They worshiped together in this place and didn't even know it until Jesus comes and unsolicited, with an unsolicited, unsolicited uh, uh, healing just changes this man's life. Immediately from that place, Peter and John, and they, they are Peter and, and, uh, and, and John, was it, I'm sorry, Peter and Andrew, Thank you. Yes, Peter and Andrew invite Jesus to come to their home directly from there. And before long, the guest becomes the host. He comes, see, when we invite Jesus into the home, you know, he becomes the host, even though we invite him as a guest. It's kind of like the story where he, when he first met Simon Peter, they were fishing on his boat, and Jesus just 
got in his boat. And Simon's probably, what's up with this dude getting in my boat? I don't even, I don't know you. You know, he just steps in in his boat, and he says, push off from shore. And he pushed off from shore. And then Jesus began to teach the crowd. And as he's teaching the crowd, he's listening to this guy. And then he tells them, you know what? Throw your net off. And he, Man, we've been fishing all this time. No, just do what I say. Throw. He took. He a guest becomes the host. A, 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 you know, a passenger in the boat becomes the captain. Do what I say, and it will change you. He throws a net out, man, he caught all kinds of fish, and he says, from now on, you're going to catch people. I'm giving you a new calling, a new place, a new purpose. And he put him in his right and proper role. No longer as a fisherman, God has something for you, and somehow your condition has been lost. Invite him. Invite him into your home. Invite him into the boat, man. He'll change things. Number two, tell Jesus about your broken friends. Tell him about your family. Let him know, God, God, we need you here. We need you here. I have loved ones that are hurting. I have loved ones that are lost. God, we need you here. Come, just... Lord, visit my, my home. Visit my, my cousin. I, I'm, I'm going to go to the, the hospital. Visit a friend. Jesus, be with me as I go. Man, and his compassion takes over. His compassion takes over. He begins to touch and move. Tell Jesus about your broken friends. Tell him about family members, people out of place. You don't have to tell him what to do. He already knows. Believe me, he already knows. Thirdly and lastly, let his healing touch be followed up by a renewed commitment, by a sense of calling and purpose, just like this woman. He touched her by the hand. He lifted her up. Without words, he simply raised her up from the bed. It's like helping someone, uh, you know, who, who's caught in a rut caught in a, in a ditch, it's stuck in a place, and they can't help themselves. And, and it's like, here, let me help you. What seemed to hold her down was, was this sickness, this fever. It, it had her bedridden. It took her out of her normal routine in life. It took her away from what she could potentially have been doing, what her purpose was. And Jesus says, hey, let me help you out of this condition. He lifts her up. And helps her. And the fever, the Bible tells us, completely left. There was not a prolonged weakness. There was not a time that she needed a recovery time. She got straight up out of bed. And, and, and I, you know, try to figure, imagine what it would have been like for her to be completely sick in bed and then to get up and like, wow, you know, let me go, you know, make some food. You know, let me go and help serve. But she goes straight from bed to serving Jesus. Strengthened by the touch of Christ. And she's able to minister to him. Fascinating story. His touch makes us fit for action. It changes us. It does things for us. It opens blinded eyes. Every demon-possessed Person that he confronted, man, he took maniacs and made them into ministers, told them, hey, go back and tell your city the great things God has done for you. Repurposed broken lives. 
sending them back in empowered, empowered compassion, empowered ministry. Let his healing touch result in grateful service to the Lord. That is why he comes. That's why he heals unsolicited without anybody ever asking. This is why he does it. Because people are often out of place. Will you stand with me? I want to pray this morning. I want to pray because this may be true for some of us. This may be true for some of us this morning. God has called us to something. God has enabled us for something. But we do have an enemy. We do have an adversary that wants to disrupt us at any cost, at any, to do whatever he could possibly do to disrupt the purpose that God has for our lives. And so whatever it may be for you, I don't know what it is exactly, but God knows. And as we close our eyes and, and we just humble our hearts before God, let's ask God to search us. Lord, look, look upon us, Father God. Look upon us, my God. There are many voices that we've listened to over the years. And people have told us things. People in, in authoritative positions even have diagnosed us, and, and we believe because we trust. We, we, we've heard those conditions, and, and Lord, and, and in many cases, there are real things that we, that we struggle with, real things, real conditions, real pains. But Father God, we also know that there is a Savior who has great compassion, a Savior who has called us, and our calling supersedes the condition and I pray Father God as you use doctors and medicine and hospitals and as you use psychologists and therapy you use those things they're not enemies of the kingdom but useful to the kingdom but you are the king of the kingdom and you can touch whomever you desire to touch. You can restore whomever you desire to restore. So we invite you here. We invite you here this morning. And what you see out of place, our, our request, Lord God, is that you put us in our proper place. Fathers as fathers, mothers as mothers, leaders as leaders, preachers as preachers, prophets as prophets, teachers as teachers, counselors, home directors, my God, evangelists and missionaries. Father God, those, my God, you've called to do great things. Those, my God, you've called to walk in faith. Those, Father God, you've called, my God, to be uh, encouragers of others, my God. Father, I pray that you would put us in the place that you've called us. My God, touch and restore. Raise us up. Take us out of the rut, the routine that we've fallen into, the lie that we've believed, Father God. Shatter that language house, my God, that we've lived under. Language, my God, that is, that is self-defeating. Language that is limiting. 
Lord God, I pray, break us free, Father God, from the routine. Break us out of the rut, my God. Oh, enter into the house, oh God, and raise us up. Touch us, my God. Put things back in order, Father God, as you see it. My God, you see the real cause of our condition. And you have come to undo anything, my God, that is out of place. And so we lay ourselves at your feet this morning, Lord God, and we ask you to have your way. My God, save the unsaved. Heal the broken, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If the Lord is touching you this morning, or if you need that touch, why don't you come? Come to the altar. Let's spend some, some time in prayer. I want those that come just to come and ask God, God, come my way. Touch me. Look, up, look upon me. Help me. I want the rest of us to pray. Pray for those that come to the altar. This is a moment of healing. This is a moment of God moving in the lives of people. This is a moment of restoration. This is a moment of realization. We have things to do. We, we have roles to fulfill. We have responsibilities that have been placed upon us by God in heaven. He has called us to something, called us to complete something, called us to do something. And he's asking us this morning to fulfill the work he has given us to do. Fulfill the task, the role in our homes, and our communities. Fulfill the role of our calling. Fulfill the task that he's given us. And he will remove the sickness. He will remove the obstacles. He will raise us up where nothing can stop us. So Lord, have your way. Have your way this morning. Jesus.